0: Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. Hello, hello, my friends. It's me, Carmela, from Happy Calories Don't Count, and this is episode 19 of The Food Is Not a Four-Letter Word podcast. So before we officially dive into the content of the show, let's begin our show like we do every episode with our three deep breaths. Please play along with me. Take a deep breath in and exhale And maybe even tune into your body a little bit. How are you breathing? Take a deep breath in. And exhale. Did you breathe into your chest, into your belly, or all the way down to your toes? Let's see if we can breathe into your toes. Take a deep breath in. And exhale every bit of stale air out of you. Ooh, good job. Thanks so much for playing along. I start these shows with the three deep breaths to model for you how simple and easy it is to transform your life. (laughs) Pretty much that's it. Uh, Taking a beat and taking a breath is the quickest and simplest thing you can do to create just a little bit of space and a little bit of grace in any sort of challenging or stressful or anxious situation you might encounter at any given moment about any type of topic. Uh, And so this podcast is about food drama, exercise drama, body image, weight eating disorders, the the whole shebang. it's, It's focused in that topic, but the skills and tools that we learn here can be applied to any other area of your life. And it's interesting because I found myself in the past few episodes waxing philosophical and bringing more um current event topics into play. Um things going on in in our community, in our country, in the world, whether it be the pandemic or climate change or, you know, whatever the the political moment is or the cultural hot button is of the day, just to illustrate how the the same kind of dynamics that are going on with all of your food and your exercise and your body drama uh, are the similar types of energetic dynamics getting played out in other areas of your life and in the world at large. And the skills and tools you are learning specifically to heal your food, exercise, weight, and body drama can be transferred to other topics you might be dealing with. And those three deep breaths are the simplest most universal tool we have in our toolkit to help you reclaim your sense of self, standing your personal power, find your center, and then you can move forward from a sense of purpose and integrity with yourself f- toward um, problem solving and coming up for, toward a solution that brings the highest and best for all, rather than coming from a place of fear or reaction or something that's just ultimately going to make you feel worse about the situation or yourself or whatever it is. And again, typically, since this is a food, exercise, body image type of show, um, the people who are struggling with food issues, oftentimes it'll be, oh, crap, I ate the cookie. You know i I was upset, I got angry, and then I acted out, or I wasn't able to you know do this workout or or whatever it is. generally, the anxiety, the drama, and the stress is manifested in the food exercise body realm, and I heal all that. That's the purpose of the show um, but again, these skills and tools can be applied to every area of your life. And the other thing that I wanted to mention at the top of the episode is another reason that uh, when I wax philosophical, you know, random topics can come up that I use as analogies or metaphors, you know, to show these other energetic dynamics. Um, I was in a workshop, oh, probably 20 years ago, and um, the... Person leading the workshop. I don't really remember what the point of it was. I I remember her making a point that was that really resonated with me. And what she had the participants do is there there was a list uh, of somehow it and it had more than what I'm going to remember. You know, basically I'm going to remember things like um the statement was you know I have a full um a full vibrant. Life, you know, something to do with life itself, and then there was something to do with money. Like I experience abundance in all forms. Um, maybe it was more specific to money and less general abundance. Um, there was something that had to do with relationships. Like I experience, I experience love. You know, true love. I found my soulmate. Whatever it is, and then there was, um, it was, it was money, health, and love, and. Than a whole bunch of other things, and what she, what her argument was was somewhere on this list there was something that you were really a rock star at. You know, you might be struggling with your body, but you might be really really good at relationships, or you might be struggling with your relationships, but you're really really good with money, or or whatever the thing, whatever the things on the list were. Um, and her point was that if you're if you're good at one thing. You're good at all of this stuff because it's the the same skill set. It's the same toolkit. Um, Even though the situations might seem like they're different, even though you might feel like you don't understand what's going on or you don't have the skills or the tools, you actually do. You actually know more than you think you do. Than you think you know, and you actually more have more power than you think you have. Um, and the other thing that I found interesting about that particular event was that she used she used money and health and well being and love, and and it's interesting because those three topics um, seem to be intertwined a lot. Um, and they seem to, one, their basic human needs. Um, I don't know that you would say that money itself is a basic fundamental human need because humans existed in societies before, you know, money. There was trade and barter um, before there was like a currency, but there was still a way to to get your needs met or trade or barter or whatever it was, Um but love is a fundamental human need, and health is a fundamental human need. And so it's interesting, specifically in those three areas, how someone can be so um, affluent, so so successful, so, so rich, and so have such facility in one area, and then struggle so much in another, when if If what we can do is we can transfer the skill set, if we can help you figure out how to, to use what you already know to engage with other circumstances using the skills and tools you already have, then you've just created another level of awesomeness in your life. You've stepped into your personal power. And that's another thing that those three deep breaths at the beginning of every show can do. So... All of this is to say that when it comes to body drama, you know, healing all of the pain, the shame, the anxiety, the, the drama, whatever it is around food, exercise, your body and your weight to be able to create a body and a life you love. It's five simple steps. Five simple steps of the Happy Calories Don't Count method. It's embrace a model of alignment, connect with your body, enjoy your food, exercise every day to connect with and tune your body. Exercise has nothing at all to do with burning calories or losing weight. It's a completely different take on moving your body. And to clear the channel, learning how to deal with life's challenges uh, in such a way that um, the challenges of life do not interfere with the relationship you have with your body. So those five simple steps of the Happy Calories Don't Count method. Um, In previous episodes, I have spoken about them on a deeper level, so I don't want to do that right now in this particular show. Um, I've written about them in my books. Food is not a four-letter word outlines the entire method, um, plus how to take this and deal with life in terms of culture, in terms of marketing, in terms of body image, all of those different types of, of industries and experiences you might have in life. And that's where this particular show Falls, falls. You know, at a certain point, we know the steps. We know what to do. Um, This show is about how to how to actually do that. How do you actually live life? You know, it's going to be different for for all of us. We're all in unique situations. We all have unique backgrounds and unique perspectives and experiences. So, how do we take these principles and actually apply them? And until we uh, morph this into a Q&A type of situation, uh, what, right now where it's me just waxing philosophical, what happens is I will see something in social media, I'll see something randomly, I'll hear a conversation, and it will inspire me to want to make a comment about it specifically from a happy calories don't count perspective. So Happy Calories Don't Count has five steps in it. It is a framework. It is my signature method to help you heal all of the dysfunctional relationships you might have with food, exercise, your body, and your weight so that you can banish all of that body shame. You can feel good in your body and you can feel good about your body no matter what size or shape you happen to be right now and feel good as you are moving forward in time and space to create that ultimate outcome that you want, that body and life you love. This is not a show where it's all philosophy and so it's gonna be some kind of psychological mind trick so that I get you feeling so happy and inspired that you don't care that you're not getting results. No, I want you to get the results that you want. I also know from personal experience that the fastest And the most effective way to actually create long-term sustainable results is to partner with your body. And there are some hurdles that we have to overcome to do that. One is that diet and exercise model, which brings us to this episode. So I, uh, like I said, I I see something on social media or I hear a conversation and I just make notes. Um, And in, in front of me is, a list of just notes or words, and if I actually read it to you, it wouldn't even make any sense. And so, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to interweave all of these topics into a way that will resonate with you and help you help you be your most awesome self. Um, I I I speak from the Carmela perspective, you know, so it's like this is the world according to Carmela. Although, of course, there are lots of perspectives in the world, and given my background and everything that I've been through, again, all of my drama has been shared in other episodes <laughs> and in the books. Um, uh, I, I have struggled mightily with most of for most of my life with with diet, exercise, body weight, image, body image, weight stuff, that whole thing, and today. Woohoo, I'm free of all of that. It's amazing. Like, who knew? Life could be so cool. I eat whatever I want whenever I want. I move my body however it feels good. No muss, no fuss, no, no drama. And hey, guess what? I look pretty darn good. Most people would say that. Um, you know, of course, there are things that me personally I see about my body, and I'm like, eh, but you know what? It doesn't really. Bug me that much. It's just like, oh, okay, well, you know, we can work on that or not or whatever. Um, but the the sense of freedom that I feel around all of this stuff now that I want to gift to you, uh, because when you are free from all of this stuff, you have so much more energy. To be able to engage in life on your terms, you have more energy for your friends, you have more energy for your family, you have more energy for your career, you have more energy for your workouts or your your eating choices or or whatever it is that you choose to do for yourself. Um, it it's it's just so amazing how life opens up for you because you don't even realize. How much of your soul energy, how much of your life force is just getting sucked up and stolen from you by all of this drama? And I was listening to um, someone uh, say something, and they they were talking about me, and they were talking about somebody else, and they were saying, "Yeah, she she says a lot of stuff like what Carmela says, you know. Just the just listen to your body, and." And while that's true, you know, while I say, listen to your body, and that's a, a drum I beat very loudly, listen to your body, um, there, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's not just giving lip service to an idea, <clears throat> excuse me, a sound bite or something like that. It, it's what does that really mean to listen to your body? How do you engage in the world? when you are listening to your body. And I think what makes Happy Calories Don't Count different, what makes my message different than everything else that I hear out there in the world is that I take the diet and exercise model to task and you know, reveal its flaw, and dismantle it and my listening to your body is great and it's a very important thing to do and yes that's step two step one is you have to ditch the diet trauma you have to absolutely stop thinking in terms of the diet and exercise model because until you do that you can't possibly really listen to your body Because what'll happen is you'll get some sort of impulse and then that impulse is filtered in a nanosecond. It is filtered through all of the junk that's going on in your head about whether it's good food, bad food, high carb, low carb, high fat, low fat, full of sugar or all organic, vegan, keto, paleo, um, gluten-free, whatever the little buzz is going on in your head right now. When you have an impulse to eat something, if you're coming from that diet and exercise model, you get it, they're static in the signal. It gets a little bit of judgment. It gets a little bit of of second guessing. And then you're constantly second guessing your body a little bit and becomes a war between your head and your body. And you're trying to let your body win. You're trying to listen to your body, but you can't really do it and you can't really experience the freedom that I'm describing as long as you are still viewing the world from the lens of the diet and exercise model. That's why I said, you know, the world according to Carmela, Um, the world according to Carmela, the diet and exercise model is flawed. It's faulty. It's fallacious. It does not work, you know? So just stop, stop thinking in those terms. Now, it's impossible to stop thinking in those terms if I don't give you something else to think about because the entire culture is wrapped up in that idea, everywhere from personal trainers to um, people uh, at the clothing boutiques, if you're talking about your dress size. And, you know, right now during the holidays, people are going to be at the holiday party saying, oh, you know, well, it's the holidays, so I'll have this extra, you know, glass of whatever, or I'll have this extra bite of whatever because it's the holidays. And, you know, well, what what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's the holidays. You know, January will come, and then we'll have those th- – then I'll, then I'll really start that diet, you know, kind of thing. So – Everywhere you turn, you're going to be encountering this diet and exercise model. And it's in there. It's insidious. It's subtle. It's deep. And so the best way, in my opinion, what I found the most effective for myself and then for my clients is to learn to recognize it. And when you can recognize it and see it for what it is, then you can just say, oh, that's what that is. Okay, no, I don't I don't have to be thinking in those terms because then it brings us brings it to your consciousness. All right. So this whole notion that your body is a direct result of what you eat and what you do for exercise, that your body is a direct result, your size, your shape, your weight, all of that stuff, that it can be controlled through what you eat and what you do for exercise. That is a fallacy that does not work. And this is where it's subtle. It's a very subtle thing because you'll hear, you know, magazine articles or, you know, commercials, the diet industry, the fitness industry, personal trainers, whatever. It is true. It is absolutely true that you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise. No one is making you Eat the second helping of pasta. No one is making you eat the ice cream. No one is making you eat the salad. No one is making, you know, whatever, whatever the food is, no one's making you do that. You are are choosing to eat that. No one is responsible for your exercise. You know, like whether you are showing up at the gym every day, whether you're going for a walk, whether you're lying on the couch, whatever you are responsible. The buck stops with you. That is absolutely true. However, the fact that you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise does not mean that you can therefore control the outcome, that you can control your weight and your shape through diet and exercise. That, my friends, is the fallacy. That is the flaw in logic. And that is the hook that keeps you stuck in your pain and your shame. That is the monkey that's on your back. On your back. So we need to get rid of that model because we know it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. And I've done other episodes about why it's not true. Um, It's absolutely not true. And I'm actually going to um, give you some scientific research a little bit later on, also proving that that's not true. Um, I like to to stay away from the scientific articles as much as possible because to my personality and to many personalities out there, it's... It's like we're in pain and we're looking for the answer, and then we just want to fi- we want to find find the right thing, find the next thing, and we think that the answer's out there. And so, if we just go read the li- latest scientific research on you know exercise physiology or you know metabolism or you know h- however it, whatever whatever it is, even even if it's like current events, you know, and you're and you're researching all the stuff about the pandemic, we we want the a- we want the answer, and we're. We're looking outside of ourselves for the answer when the key to your personal power, your personal freedom, feeling good in your body, feeling good about your body, optimizing your physical being, you know, actually getting the results that you want and creating that lifestyle that you want around it. All of that stuff comes from within you. You have the answers within you and you don't even know it. Your body has the answers within you and you don't even know it. And that's my job. My job is to help you get those answers from within yourself. And so even though there's scientific research out there that supports the happy calories don't count method. And like I said, I'll be sharing some of that stuff later in the episode. I don't like to lead with that. And I don't like to discuss it a lot because I don't want it to be about external sources of information. I want it to be about your own experience. You know that diets don't work. You've tried them. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this show. You know that long-term, a diet and exercise program might work for a while, and then, then it starts to not work anymore. And then either you keep doing it and it doesn't really work, or you get tired and you get bored and you just quit doing it. And then people will say it's your fault because you just quit doing it, but you quit doing it because it wasn't working anymore or because you know you got injured or whatever. So there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of different perspectives, and a lot of people trying to um, come up with answers for why it's not working, you know. But if you just did this other thing, you could get it to work. You could get it to work without without people just like saying, "Okay, hello." Let's just look at this and say this doesn't work. We need we need to come at things from a different framework. Um, so the other framework that I have to offer you is the five steps of the happy calories don't count method. And step one is get rid of that diet and exercise model out of your brain. And how you do that is you understand that it doesn't work and you think of something else in its place. And in its place, the thing you're going to think about is embracing a model of alignment. And that means that your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and your beliefs are congruent, that you are reconciled with yourself and you are moving forward from a place of authentic congruency within you, which coincidentally, those three deep breaths are a really great way to get there. Then... Once you have created that space, you've created that grace, you can then listen to your body. You know, all of those intuitive eating people, oh, it's just intuitive eating. You just listen to your body. You just listen to your body. Listening to your body is not enough. Intuitive eating is not enough. You need to get rid of the diet and exercise model first before you can actually get to the part where you can listen to your body. And this is a big, it's a big thing right now, at least for me, because it is in the middle of the holidays. And we're, we're in this state now, granted it's COVID, it's going to be a COVID holiday. So, you know, things, things are still not quite normal, you know, in terms of festivities or in terms of how people are engaging. Um, You know, people are still working remotely, a lot of people and and you might not have the big holiday parties like we've had in years past, where it was an abundance of food, and and some of them were a little more dressy. And so, you know, this year is a is another kind of anomaly year. Um, but that doesn't take away from the stuff that you're going to be seeing in the media this time of year. It does. It doesn't take away from the fact that the holidays are a time to market ideas. Um, that whether it is the fitness industry, specifically the diet uh, industry, the weight loss industry, or even fashion or lifestyle or, you know, apps, fitness apps, whatever it is, the holidays, they're they're gearing up. There's this underlying idea that, you know, we're just going to be happy, joyful during the holidays, and we're going to gain weight or we're going to do whatever. And then At the beginning of the year, man, those New Year's resolutions are coming into play. And, you know, New Year's is, you know, in three weeks. Now, everyone else is going to be having their New Year's resolution podcasts the week between Christmas and New Year's. I want to have mine now. I want to have mine early because I feel like if you have these ideas in the back of your head as you're navigating through the holidays, one the holidays are easier to navigate, and then also you don't have this big, um, this this weight uh, pun intended this weight on you for the new year in terms of these ideas of of resolutions. Weight loss is still the number one weight loss. Get in better shape. Get more fit is still one of the top. Resolutions year after year after year, even though we all theoretically quote unquote know better right and so there's this idea that there are several ideas at play that I think kind of under underlie a lot of the dynamics. one is all of this um gravity all of the gravitas uh given to the new year you know and the new year's resolution and and i don't i don't necessarily mean oh it's big heavy you know oh this is what we're going to do it's a subtle it's a subtle thing and what happens it's it's just like that idea of of starting that diet on monday starting starting that new year's that that new year's crisp clean you know new slate kind of idea now there is value in refl- in, in taking time taking seasons, taking a day, taking a moment to reflect, to reflect on how all the blessings that you have in your life and and to be grateful for all of the blessings that you have in your life. And there's times to reflect, to see what would you like to accomplish that you have yet to create what would you like to experience what would you how how do you want to live your life what 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 inspires you what what are your what feeds you literally and metaphorically like what 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 jazzes you up what lights you up what do you really want to create and and how can you add more of that to your life and, and so there are there's nothing wrong with during the new year, during the end of December and the beginning of, of January, thinking about what do you want to create for the new year? That's perfectly appropriate. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, what I would caution you to against is the idea is that the new year is the only time you can do that. And what what happens, what I see a lot of people happen, uh, it, what I see a lot of people do is, is there's this psychology of you know, the new year and I'm going to do this thing to get to get a goal. And and they 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 want to make a goal. And oftentimes, oftentimes the goal is something that they want and there's stuff that they don't want to do or stuff that seems like it's going to be hard work to achieve this goal. And this this is really important. This is going to come back. this is foreshadowing here. This is really important. So this idea of you want a goal, and then there there are things you have to do to achieve this goal. And oftentimes, there are things that you that seem hard, that seem cumbersome, that seem like you don't really want to do them. Like, for example, if your goal is to get fit, or your goal is to lose 20 pounds or no, okay. If your goal is to get fit or your goal is to lose weight, oftentimes what you'll run into um, is you'll run run into that personal trainer Or that life coach or whoever it is that tells you that you you need to you really need to focus on your goals and 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 create smart goals. You know, they need to be specific and they need to be measurable. So you can't just say, you can't just say you want to get fit. You gotta say you gotta be able to measure it. You wanna say you wanna run an eight-minute mile. You can't just say that, hey, I wanna lose weight. You know, you gotta say, no, I wanna lose 10 pounds. So there's this whole. This whole mindset around goal setting that is making it uh, realistic, actionable, timely, measurable. The acronym is SMART. It's tired. It's rehashed. It's been around forever. And it's not really effective in my experience because look at this. So to achieve these goals, you have to do these things that you might not want to be able. you might not want to do, because you know what? If you didn't mind doing them, if you like doing, if you liked doing them or didn't mind doing them, why haven't you been doing them all along to begin with? Right? Now there are these things you have to do to achieve a goal. And so what happens is you're setting yourself up ultimately for failure because you're kind of at odds with yourself. So I really don't think that goals are an effective, way to deal with something like body drama, to deal with something like food issues or exercise dysfunction or or wanting to just have peace and freedom from all of that trying to create this life where you can eat whatever you want and you can move your body however you want without any must dress fuss drama whatever and still look good too you know that's the key still look good too we have this fear that if we just eat whatever we want we're going to end up as big as a house you know if if we're not disciplined and focused and you know controlling everything that we're going to go out of control and it's just going to be awful right so that's that's part of the deal is that you have the freedom and you still get to look good you're optimizing your state of being you're optimizing your health you're optimizing your emotional state you're optimizing your sense of joy and freedom and all of that stuff i don't think goals are an effective way to create that state what i think is a more effective state is to think of the idea of a relationship because even if you did everything that you had to do to achieve that goal, you ran that eight-minute mile, you lost those 20 pounds, if all of the things that you were doing to achieve that goal were miserable, well, you know what? You if you, Why did you wanna lose the 20 pounds? I'm sure you didn't wanna lose the 20 pounds just to regain it again. So, if you're not still doing everything that you were supposed to be doing to keep to lose the 20 pounds, you're not going to keep the weight off. So, it's this idea of cultivating relationships cultivating a relationship with your body real you know einstein was right the theory theory of relativity you know everything everything is a relationship everything is a relationship to another relationship to another you know the the speed and sound of light um to the universe to you to me to me to my body to me to my cat to my cat to the music that's playing you know like Everything is relative. Everything is in relation to any other thing, and the real um beauty and power to be able to live your best life, to to be your best self and have the greatest joy is is really learning the the sweet skill of managing and cultivating those different relationships. So I would encourage you, as you are starting to think about New Year's, think about what you want to create for yourself, to shift from this idea of goals to this idea of relationships. And this is what um, I wanted to this these are other things on my notes for my list of things to discuss in this podcast. Um, and it's really kind of interesting because, we're we're shifting this idea of from goals to relationships and um there is a quote that i saw at the place where i train um and it, it's really it's really fun uh where where this path has taken me um of, of my life you know of 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 all of my diet and exercise drama, and then to my healing, and then to, you know, writing the books, creating happy calories, um, doing the podcast, coaching the clients, all of the stuff. And then I'm still continuing on my, it's not like I'm done. You know, I'm in relationship. I'm in relationship with myself. I'm in relationship with my body. I'm in relationship with life. This is continuing to go and evolve. It's a journey. And so- at this place where I'm training and learning all sorts of really cool new things about um, breath work and and brain-based movement, neuromechanical movement, and all this really cool stuff, Um, they have this big sign on the wall. And it says, don't worry about motivation. Motivation is fickle. It comes and it goes it is unreliable and when you are counting on motivation to get your goals accomplished you will likely fall short don't count on motivation count on discipline show up and do what you have to do now what's interesting about that is from a diet and exercise perspective you know from from a general fitness you know the, what you would perceive as the general trainer kind of perspective you would you would it probably interpret that as like this guy is sitting here like you just got to show up and do it you just got to show up and do it and it doesn't matter how you feel and you know motivation is fickle don't don't worry if you're waiting until you're motivated you know you're never going to do it you just have to be disciplined to do that and what's interesting is that the happy calories don't count approach requires discipline, not motivation, but it's different than how you would expect because in the happy calories don't count approach, right? It's listening to, listen to your body, right? Just listen to your body. Do what, you, do what your body wants to do after we've gotten rid of that diet and exercise model, right? So that you can truly hear your body and truly trust your body. However, there's still discipline involved because the discipline involved is you're still showing up every day to ask the question of your body you there is discipline in the happy calories don't count approach. The discipline is to actively and conscientiously and consistently reject that diet and exercise model. Constantly pull yourself out of that matrix and consistently and consciously curate and cultivate that relationship with your body. Show up for yourself. And if your body says, hey, I need a day off, I can't work out today, It's okay if you don't work out that day, but what you need to do is you need to have asked the question and it's okay if you choose to go for a walk instead of a run or do your yoga instead of your swimming, um, whatever it is for you in the happy calories don't count approach. It's not about the specific activity. It's about how that activity supports you in the relationship with your body. So Again, it's a a different framework, but again, you have to show up for it. You need to curate that relationship with your body. You need to have that daily date time with your body where you're moving your body to feel what it feels like to inhabit your body and engage, show up and ask the question. So that does take discipline. So when you're, a lot of these um personal training slogans or things like that. They you can look at them through the lens of the traditional diet and exercise model, or you can look at them through the lens of the Happy Calories Don't Count method and they'll take on completely different nuance nuanced meanings. Um, and so when I'm when you see anything, you know, I my invitation to you is to read it, let it land. And then take a beat, take a breath, actively ask yourself, is there another interpretation? And read it again. Um, Like... As I'm reading about this thing from the motivation, motivation is fickle and you need to have discipline. I can think of that and I can imagine myself, you know, like the the trainer, like Rocky, Rocky's trainer, you know, go go fight and and go win that boxing tournament. Um, Or I I can think of it from a more holistic, happy calories approach. They're the same words. But they're coming from a different perspective and coming from a different perspective, they actually land differently and create a different meaning in your body. So that's another reason that when I have my podcasts, oftentimes... It can sound like I'm talking about personal development or I'll talk about something in the current social political arena that I'm making an analogy to something and you're like, well, what does this have to do with like getting rid of my extra 10 pounds and my love handles or what does this have to do with not being on a diet? Because it's about becoming authentically congruently you who doesn't need a diet right it's it's all the same kind of stuff at the end of the day the five steps are the five steps they're never going to change and i can i can offer the five steps every single podcast but they would get really old and really boring really quickly because the five steps are the five steps that's all there is no muss no fuss the the dance the dance is how do you take these into life the dance is how do you engage in life in such a way where you don't let life's challenges bring you down everybody's going to have challenges it's just part of the deal and the thing is that there are a lot of a lot of people that then start to play the victim card they like to get into this place of victimhood with whatever little thing they have that they can throw out what whatever it is cuz there are a lot these days um and i saw something else in a different place that was like you know you don't have the right to complain about the cards that you're dealt because, you know, life is gonna just throw cards at you. You know, you you don't get to choose your cards. Life is gonna throw those cards at you. And life is gonna be life is gonna be life to everybody, right? But it is your responsibility to play the bejesus out of the cards that you're dealt. That's where your power is. Um, so in, in light of all of this stuff, it's about where can you claim your personal power. Now I wanted to uh, circle back to earlier I alluded to this idea that you know it goals, New Year's resolutions, all of this stuff. If you're doing something to make yourself do something um, and, and you don't like it, I said, hey, you know, not only is that a happy calories thing, but it's kind of setting you up for some failure, and there's some scientific research um, about this. So this new thing that I'm playing with that I think is so much fun is in my own personal journey with my own body, uh, I am, you know, it, it's, just, it's just, I'm just following the path. And that, and that's what I teach my clients. That is what I teach you. You take a, de- uh, you take a beat, you take a breath, you get reconciled with yourself and then you're harmonious you have no inner conflict and from that place of of grace you take the most congruent step forward you can in time and space and then you do it again you take a beat you take a breath who am i where am i what what is the next best option, what is the next best thing? And you take the next step forward and your path, your personal path is revealed to you. And that's why I don't like to lead with the science behind it and the science. And I came up with Happy Calories Don't Count without science. I came up with it. um, It was gifted to me by the universe um, as a way to try to um, describe and 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 create a structure around the process that i had accidentally discovered to heal myself of my own drama so I came at it from this is my experience, and and wouldn't you recognize this experience in yourself too? Why do we need science to tell us what's right or wrong? You know, this is our experience, uh, but it's kind of fun that now I'm I'm finding that hey, science does support me, yay! Um, but this idea that in, in my own path, and and so my path is my path, your path is your path, um, so. You don't do necessarily what what I do in terms of my steps. What you do is you do in terms of the process. The process, take a beat, take a breath. Reconcile your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and actions so that you're congruent with yourself. Connect with your body. Listen to your body. Enjoy your food. Move your body every day to fine tune that develop, fine tune that relationship with your body to learn how to inhabit your body to become embodied, and then use all of those personal growth skills that you have to deal with challenges, uh, life's challenges in such a way that those challenges do not impact the relationship you have with your body. That's the process. You can do the same process I do. We all do the same process. But because we are individuals, because we have our unique experiences, because we have our unique perspectives, because we have our unique goals, because we have our unique life circumstances, our paths are going to be unique. Our paths unfold in front of us. And in that respect, it can be scary I mean, I get it. It can be scary because you want to you have this idea about this destination that you want to to arrive at, and then you want to map out, how do I get there? And so you go ask the trainers, you go ask the doctors, you go ask the diet people, you go ask the whatever, how do I get there? And they're all going to tell you their answer, but their answer is not going to necessarily get you to where you want to go because their answer isn't your answer. Your answer is unfolded and revealed to you moment by moment by moment as you work this process. And so, part of my process, um, I've stumbled across this neurological based movement training, and I just think it's amazing. I think it's so much fun. But in this process, um, I was uh, watching a workshop, and apparently, now in 2019, you know, well, it's now 2021, but you know, just recently, you know, I created Happy Calories Don't Count in 2010. You know, nine years after <laughs> I, I'm talking about Happy Calories Don't Count, the scientists are out there, um, Harold et al., um, 2019 Dose Response Matters. I can, if you're interested, I can get you the article. Um, so it's not like I'm hiding behind, you know, fake news. These are legit Legit research articles that I can cite and I can give them to you if you want. But like this variability in muscle size and strength after unilateral resistance training, Hubel et al. in 2005, and Dose Response Matters, Harold et al. in 2019. So these guys are – what they're doing is they're taking a bunch of um, people – and they're giving them exercise. They're, before they put them on the training program, they measure their strength. You know, how much can they lift? How much can they, you know, do in one isometric contraction? What is their resistance? What is their, you know, they have their little list of everything they do. They put them on the 12-week regimen of weightlifting. And then at the end of 12 weeks, they do it again. And they measure everything again to get the results. Well, as it turns out, there are you know like four percent of the people who had massive gains. They're like super responders. It was amazing. I did all this weightlifting and I got so strong and I changed my body and it was amazing. Rock star, woohoo, yay! And then they had the bell curve. They had the bulk of the people that were like hey this is okay i you know i gained some weight i gained some strength um i gained some muscle you know i'm stronger this is yeah i i can see i can see how weightlifting is is appropriate and necessary for building and maintaining strength hey i get that and then they had like 6% of people who were the negative responders. 6% of the people in the study either got no measurable benefit from lifting the weights or they actually got weaker. And I just about cried when I read that and saw that because that was my experience um, at I was in the gym world. Well, I've had, I've had, you know, if you've listened to this show enough or you've read my books, you know, I've had a lot of drama. I've had lots of different, you know, moments in my life where I've, I've been dealing with my body. So. There was the anorexic phase, you know, like where I was 80 pounds and like had to deal with like the eating disorder from hell and all the stuff that goes along with that. And then in my mid to later 20s, I was in the bodybuilding phase. It wasn't about being skinny. It was about being strong and being healthy and, you know, all of that stuff. And I worked out like a Oh, just like a beast. I, you know, I rode that stupid exercise bike for two hours twice a day. Um, my boyfriend at the time owned a gym. Uh, we trained all the time. I was lifting weights until, you know, I couldn't walk anymore because, you know, we were competing and, you know, all of this stuff. And I didn't get those results. And that's one of my um, one of my uh, beef isn't quite the right word but my issues with the one of one of the specific popular body image movements um because the woman who founded that, even though she does great work, her story is that she did the bodybuilding thing and she comp- she competed and she did the hard work and she got the body and it was a- and then she realized that she wasn't happy that getting that body didn't make her happy and that doing all of that stuff was just time she was taking away from her family and what was she teaching her daughter and shouldn't uh, shouldn't a woman's body be something more than a bikini strutting around a stage and so. She she created the body image movement out of that, and while she's doing good work, that her premise is still that, hey, her experience was that worked. It's just like not worth it or we should be more than that or whatever. And my experience is, no, it doesn't work. And I've been able to show through my own experience and now through research that that traditional diet and exercise model, and it's not just the simplistic notion that your body is a caloric balance sheet, but it's also all of those underlying ideas that come out of that, those assumptions that drive behavior and how we feel about ourselves out of that. That's all false. So, there's legitimate scientific research that shows that, you know, not all exercise is beneficial to all people. You know, people need individual exercise. And then what's so awful about this, because of that diet and exercise model, what's happening is that people are thinking, oh, well, now you're just genetically going to not respond to exercise. You know, you're a genetic non-responder to exercise. And I'm like, that's just BS. You just need to find the right exercise for you. And it's really interesting because um, with the whole happy calories thing, and you just connect with your body and lead with your body and let your body tell tell you what you want. I'm doing all of this neurological-based stuff and checking this stuff out. And everything that I like to do, I like to do Pilates. I like to dance. I like to do dance aerobics. I like to tap dance. I like to um, ice skate. I like to hike. All of the things that I like to do test really well for me neurologically And all of the things that I hate to do, the running, the weightlifting, you know, all of that swimming, all of that stuff tests really poorly for me neurologically. So no wonder I wasn't getting results doing the exercise that I hate. But the diet and exercise model says it doesn't matter what you feel about it. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether you like it or not you just do it and you'll get the results and that's where all of that dysfunction comes from we're trying to override our natural instincts to create this change when what we really need to do is drop into ourselves and and honor ourselves to take a beat, take a breath, listen to that wisdom and guidance from our bodies. Our unique path will unfold for us moment by moment by moment. Um, and so I wanna close with a couple of quotes. One is from my new trainer that I love and adore um, so much. And what he likes to tell me is practice makes progress. And I love that. That was the first time I'd ever heard that. And it makes so much sense, but I'm of a generation where it's practice makes perfect. You know, y- you practice the piano or you practice your derivatives or you practice the oboe or you practice your dance steps or you practice your little soccer drills, you know, because practice makes perfect. No, 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 You know, that whole idea of perfection, that whole idea of achieving that supreme, sub, supreme goal Um, is just fraught with so much dysfunction and so much despair. And instead, a better approach is practice makes progress. And inherent in that, is that idea of relationship, is that idea of cultivating and curating a relationship, because the relationship you have with your body is the relationship of your life. Your body has been with you from the moment you were born. It is the one constant in your life. It is going to be with you until the day you leave this earth. And so this whole idea of relationship with your body is, is supported by that little slogan, practice makes progress. So so to put a closing spin on all of this, I wanted to end um, with something that I find very profound. Um, and it had nothing at all to do with body image or weight. But again, when I'm speaking about these principles, the five steps of happy calories don't count are the five steps. You know, I've 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 outlined them for you here on, on the podcast in various episodes. They are on my website. They are on the YouTube channel. They are outlined and a chapter dedicated to each step in in my book, Food is Not a Four-Letter Word. They are everywhere. And the steps are the steps are the steps. They're never going to change. And then the big question, the $64,000 question, the question of life is how do you actually use them to make your life better? How do you engage with life and create a body and a life you love? How do you be an authentic, congruent person who is standing in their personal power and being your most awesome self you can be? That's where the big discussions happen. And that's what this podcast is about. And since it's about life, it's about personal development. And it's about all of all of the other things that go on in the world that might influence your state of being, that might influence your sense of self. And that's why other topics like the, the cultural, political things come into play. And so this is a quote by a very famous statesman um, during World War II, Winston Churchill. And I think it explicitly relates to this idea of creating a body and life you love, this idea of becoming embodied and becoming your best self. And here it is, my friends, it is success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts that my friends is by Winston Churchill and i will let you noodle on everything i've rambled about in this extra long episode trying my best to weave together these concepts in a way that lands in a way that makes sense to you because this is this is about life it's about creating a life that you love on your terms. And part of that is also creating a body that you love as well. Learning to feel good in your body, learning to feel ab- good about your body, regardless of whatever size and shape you happen to be right now, so that you can be your most audacious, empowered best self right now in the moment. And the more you're, your best self right now in the moment, that gives you extra juice, extra bandwidth extra juju to take the next step, to take the next step in your personal path as it reveals itself to you. So with that, my friends, I will let you go. I hope you have a super happy day and I will talk to you later. Bye. If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care.